Welcome to Shardcast, Season 1, Episode 3. I'm Mish. I'm Josh. And I'm Eric. Okay, so what news do we have this week? Skybreakers. Okay. Skybreak- what's a Skybreaker? Ooh, I'm glad you asked, Josh, and it will be posted in with audio sometime. Yeah, I have but no what idea. audio? I, oh, well, turns out you two went to a signing yesterday and found out some cool facts, like a new order of radiance called the Skybreakers. I don't know what they do, but I want to be one when I grow up. Or yeah, like... you're never growing up. Let's nope. be realistic. Well, judging from our yeah, from our pre-discussion, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> well, and see, here's the thing. The Skybreakers thing was cool, but the cooler thing was Red Carpet Once White. Oh, yes! Oh, I want this. I love carpet. It's so exciting. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Your question you should be asking here, Eric, is why is the carpet now red? Oh, so that's... Okay, so apparently, guys, there is a Shalom flashback chapter. Hey, maybe some carpet got red. I haven't heard it yet. But. Shalon is the focus book character for this book, if you guys didn't know, which means that she's going to get the flashbacks, which Brandon read one of them. He dubbed it initially Shalon Flashback 1, and it is amazing, and I need the rest of the book like now. We all do. Yes, and, uh, like right now. Right this very minute. Yeah, it, Mish tweeted about it, was very excited, and I freaked out on Twitter, and uh, yeah. Uh you know, this is this very confused. You said it was episode three, and it's like we're finally, like, past an episode thing. Like, we've never got past episode three before. It's well, fighting. Well, I'm very happy for you. Shall we very move on to happy the content? For all of us? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Fine. Let's move on. Let's, let's it, I move on before it gets any later. Yeah, that's yeah. So guys, we so last week we said that we were going to podcast earlier. We are podcasting at the start time, or the time that we ended the podcast last time. So this is way later than we were before, like way later. So it's going to be completely incoherent. And we apologize in advance. We're actually going to get onto a mildly regular schedule. Schedule hopefully next every nine days. This is on schedule. Oh yeah. Is is no. Sharon days like ten days in a week? It's right on schedule. In the chart. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah. Side note, everybody. Uh, Eric is a bum and decided to read ahead. This chapter so- try is really good. No, it's not. No, a plot happens. Like, no, there's... Okay. See, with books, especially Brandon books, there's a lot of setup, and then you, like, get to the chapter where, like, there's inklings of plot, like, people making plans. This is that that triad. And so I was hooked, and so I'm like, I'm going to start reading along, and then I just read the rest of the book. Yeah, in a day. He's a bum, and that's okay because he's going to help us find foreshadowing a little bit better than everybody else who has not read it recently. Everybody else? You mean all three of us? Yeah, I guess. The other two of us? Yeah. Well, and anybody else who's been reading along with us? And listening. That would probably yeah. be good too. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you're not listening to us, the heck with you. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> so. And we were discussing beforehand, and I wanted to actually bring it into the podcast. Really fascinating thing that 
Josh and I had asked Brandon at one point, and that sparked a discussion, was if an Elantrian were to drink wine, because they give, are given sacrificial wine when they go into a laundress, could you get drunk? Brandon has answered that and said no. However, he did say if you were drunk or hungover when the Sheod took you, you would remain in that state through the rest of your time in a laundress until it gets fixed. Amazing. You know, the, I and now I'm just like really sad that there's not an eternally drunk character. Wouldn't that be awesome if there was like another doula who was just always drunk? <laughs> that would be amazing. That would, wouldn't that be? Or, or not even one of the doula, like one of the other guild leaders. He's just always Guilt? drunk. Hey, no, you're banned. <laughs> Guilds. Not freaking guilds. What's I blame her. It's her fault. She got it into my head that they're guilds and it ruined me. In, listeners, I promise to you, I will not call them guilds. <laughs> Up until he does. In which case, I planned it all along and I was uh, But so, yeah, so you, I guess you just pee out all the alcohol that you drink when you're apparently formed? I, I don't know, but your body can't process it and. I just, I think it would be... You make an aeon that simulates drunkenness if you really want to be drunk. <laughs> well, I'm sure once you're actually a regular Elantrian, you can get drunk, but... Oh, I thought, I thought, okay. No, yeah. it's pre-fixing. Oh, gotcha. See, so... I, you were, and anyway. This is what happens when you read the ending. You think that all the Elantrians are fixed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look, everyone's fixed. Uh, you know, read and solved all the problems. We can just go home, right? Right. Yeah. And you're still at the beginning of the boring stuff. This was a good tryout, although it was really hard to scan it again before we were podcasting. That's true. Dude, Serenish chapter. <sighs> Seriously. Why don't Stop. we start with uh, good stuff first? Yeah, let's start with the good Raiden chapter. I like the Serenish chapter, okay? You guys are... I, I like it, too. It just messes with everything, but we'll discuss that later. Yes. So, uh, Raiden. Quick what happens in this chapter? What happens in this chapter, Michelle? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's because practically nothing happens. No. Raiden uh, rescues some dude who's an artisan. He also... Uh, Can you try and pronounce his name, Mish? I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because uh-huh. I don't have it in the notes. Uh, you do. I do? Yeah. Where in the notes? Okay. It's like down. Where is and- she? My monitor is bigger than yours. Oh. Yes. And that's why I have two yeah. of them, so that I can have you guys over here, and then my notes over here. I'm all of them. Marashi. Anyways. So. That's pretty good. Marishi. Marishi, excuse me. That was not. That was one of your better pronunciations. Yeah, it was. Anyways, so. Raiden uh, rescues Marishi. And I know that something else happened, but I guess it wasn't important, so. Galvin's annoyed. Yeah, oh. Galavan's annoyed the entire time. Which was reasonable, but like Raiden, I liked it because Raiden's like starting to do something, and it makes you want to get to the next Raiden chapter. It does. That, that is true. And you get to slog through Serene. Though, <laughs> so, I was curious about, you know, they mentioned that people were flying in a laundress. What all could potentially be done with the Aeons? People flew like Windrunner style? No, it yeah. flat out says that... Uh, or Elantrians could fly. Yeah. I want to see the book where, like, the 
Fjordel Empire, like, actually at- attacks Elantris, and then the Elantrians descend from the sky and, like, attack. Don't you want to read that book now? Yeah, I bet you. Yes. Because that- drawing Aeons in the sky, and then they're just like, yeah. See, I've never been the book, so I-, I know how cool Elantrians can be. Cool. Well, or else you could just stand on the thing and have it rain brimstone and hellfire. You could just use the Force Aeon, and then it's like smash them into the ground literally would that you know, not be amazing i think this is actually the most battle centric or battle easy magic system of brandon's battle easy no that's clearly alamancy no powerful most powerful battle magic oh, you mean powerful that's like oh by way of like sheer amount of how much it you can, can do. do with it Alamancy yeah. is great for like one on one or like smallish groups. With Aeondor, you could take out armies in oh. one blow. Okay. So I got confused. When you said battle easy, I thought it meant like easy prep, which that's not what Aeondor is at all. And so I blame Meech for saying weird crap. Okay. You're <laughs> charged. Like, uh, yes, it's very good to. Uh, it's very powerful, but Alamancy is more uh, interesting to read. And, like, it's more active. So Which, it's, actually, yes. the fact that you say that Alamancy is more interesting to read, in the annotations, Brandon actually flat out says that part of the reason why the Aeon Door works in this book is because through most of it, you don't actually see it happening. That, that, that is true. So, as, as we've mentioned, spoiler, Lantris gets fixed. Hey, no uh, way. Uh, and uh, Andor, not that interesting. So, like, honestly, not very interesting. So we only see it for a little bit. Well, and the more fascinating thing is trying to get it fixed, which I definitely agree. It's more interesting that way. Yep. That's a better story than learning to use it. <laughs> that would be a really boring story. I need we- to make this line twice as thick. Ah, oh, mystery solved. That would be a very interesting <laughs> book. No, it would not. Although we're going to get kind of parts of that with uh, Way of Kings and the Stormlight Archive series. What? No, they're Damn. trying to see how to Why? Again. Well, and... yeah, but that's... Yeah. Anyway. Okay, moving it's on. It's not about, like, thickening lines. Fair. Well, actually, we don't know. I mean, there could be one of those, you know, Orders of Radiance. That's just a really lame one. <laughs> It's the it's the writers guild. So what's it, it's related to memory, right? Memory and drawing crap. That makes sense, actually. Anyways, no, it really doesn't, Mish. Like, no. yeah, <laughs> I'm tired, so things make more sense to me. Oh, good. So this will be really good when we start to go talk about theories. Ah, yeah. Yes. So yes, get to persuade all of you. Okay. Question: What character building did you guys notice from this chapter? There was no character building in this entire chapter. Rayadin's starting to do something, and he's less whiny, and he's starting to do things. I don't know what you're talking about. Of course there's more character. Rayadin's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do stuff. Yeah. And Galadon actually hints that he's been in Elantris for a really long time in this chapter. Does he? No, he's been in there for four months. Oh, but you're wrong, Josh! <laughs> no. Here's the thing. He flat out says you would think that they'd stop believing after 10 years i believe that remember galadon used to live in the city right he was this he's only been in elantris as an elantrian for a while but he lived there 
with his dad way earlier, which is why he finds the study with all the books. It wasn't that... his dad's study? Yeah, that's, that's, it was his dad's study. That's where Galdon knew where it was. Yeah, so, so... was there for a long time. But it hints at, he hints at the fact that he's been there for a really long time. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed in that same scene where uh, Raiden is studying is Raiden complains about the pain of hunger hitting him really strongly all of a sudden, and then it fades away. Was that the first time that the Andor was trying to break through him? Like with how the pain later in, you know, it grows in great big waves and then goes away. Right. So if you guys don't know, later, uh, one of Freyden's main character conflicts is that the pain grows as he's... See, I always thought that pain was because he was studying Aeons a lot. Right? And he hasn't done that yet. He has started to, though. He has started yeah, to, so he but, has a small... Yeah. Is that... Like, that was one thing that I picked up on. I was like, hmm, I wonder if... Yeah. I, I think be. it could be. Because, I mean... Yeah, I guess that's true. Galadon usually describes the pain as just being a constant. It's just always there. It doesn't come and go. That's weird. Yeah, but at the same time, when you're a new Elantrian, it, things are probably a little more chaotic until you're used to it, and then it's like a dull, throbbing pain. So, like... Like, he's he's not used to being this hungry? Yes, but he has no reason... You know, if he were thinking about the hunger, which I don't think he is at this point, it would make sense for, you know, he's more focused on the hunger, so the hunger becomes a stronger focus. But I think he's just doing something, and all of a sudden his, this hunger pain hits, and he's like, oh, that was weird. Okay, moving on. I guess that's true. So. Okay. You persuaded me. I w- that was just a thought that I had. Oh. So what did you guys think of Raiden rescuing Marishi? It's good to have Raiden do something. Yeah, Raiden actually, like, moving his own plot forward is great. I like when plot moves forward. <laughs> That's the great thing about this triad. Plot happens. Yeah, plot does happen. The plot? Oh! Starcast episode 3, Revenge of the Plot. <laughs> yeah, dude. The plot pyre strikes back. No, that's episode 5. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll, it'll be like episode one, the Phantom Plot. Uh, yeah, no, it, yeah, we we we'll figure this out. Uh, maybe we'll go are, back and rename them. You guys are getting off track. No, we're so not. Track, no, we're right. Track. No, we're right on track, Mish. That was valid discussion. It was valid discussion. Mm-hmm. About two to one. Two to one. Overruled. <laughs> two to one. So what did you guys think of the interactions between Galadon and Raiden in the chapter? Other than Galadon's pissed, which we already talked about. I, you know, I I never remember that Galadon doesn't know Raiden's name, because we're seeing it all from Raiden, so we like read Raiden, 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 Raiden. And then we forget that Galadon doesn't know his name yet, because uh, Raiden just called himself Spirit. Has he done that yet? Yes. That's okay. like... No... Does he actually name himself as... No, Spirit? I think he names it yes. to Marishi, whatever, that I'm guy. I'm pretty sure he tells Galadon he can call him Spirit. Okay, well... He, no, no, he doesn't. He actually says Sule. He says, you can just call me Sule for now, or Sule. Whatever. Anyway, it's with with Galadon's language structure, like, it would have been harder for, like, someone who doesn't use Sule. Do you pronounce it Sule or Sule? Because I always said Sule. Josh? 
it, it's Sewell for me. Sewell for yeah. me. Sule. Good fun. Like if, yeah. I, if I overthink it, then it's Sule. Well, let's never take Misha's advice for pronunciation, ever. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll just get it wrong. Or the, the Gorn. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I just, it just boggles my mind because Galadon's so friendly that it's like, this, Galadon doesn't Galadon... actually know Raiden's name at this point. Galadon does not know, Galadon is not friendly. I mean, he gets pissed in this chapter. He, like, start. yeah, but he's a doula, so, like, everything is kind of friendly, even his anger. Like, yes, he's pissed, but it's like, you shouldn't do this, and then it's like, I'm running! It's like, I hate you, but I'm still kind of amused a little bit. Or at least we're amused, because it's funny to see Galdon in pain. Or he's like, hey, Marishi, you're an idiot. (laughs) No, I loved how he insults Marishi. It was like, seriously? Though... I loved Galadon's reaction to the basically the Elantrian version of this couldn't get any worse because Galadon's all like, so, great job, the stairs are taken out, now what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to stay here for a while. Great. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting because in the next chapter, it doesn't really, I don't remember them actually solving that problem very much. No, they just randomly, they just randomly are back yeah, on the ground. They're just like, what are we going to do now? Scene break. What I love, though, was the basically, uh, it couldn't get any worse. It starts raining. It starts raining. It actually starts raining. So, Galadon makes a comment along the lines of things couldn't get any worse. And then it starts raining. And And I just thought that was really clever. You know, the book is really clever. Like, there's not been that much plot, but it it has been really clever reading through it. That's true. Now, cool things that we picked up from the annotations. Anything you guys want to bring up? I want to talk about the earthquake, Mish. I don't want to talk about the annotations right now. Okay. What do you want earthquake to talk about? Earthquake is cooler. Earthquakes, well, this is going to be way more interesting. Okay. Especially what about since the Well, Raiden immediately thinks there's a catastrophe, a catastrophe before... Th- <laughs> Shut up, Eric. <laughs> there's a catastrophe... <laughs> Shut up. There's a catastrophe before the destruction of the Riyadh. It's like, no, duh. There was a catastrophic earthquake. You mentioned it last chapter. Yeah, I seriously. Kate, you know how I said before that I hooked up two and two between the fact that the Aeons had died and the uh, earthquake was responsible? I don't see how more people didn't get that. It's very obvious. It's like, hey. Since you've read the book once, they're like, we'll, we'll note this later. I uh, actually... I actually picked it up very early in because whenever I described the book, I used to always describe it as you have things that you would expect and you get those. And then you have things that you don't expect, which is like the branded avalanche and the fact that Elantris is one gigantic uh, magnifying glass for the Andor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, congrats to you, Mish. Picture it didn't happen. Yeah, right. Uh, so you so, ain't got the proof. Right. Speaking of proof, so you guys just got proof for your random claim that the Riyadh is... I always say Riyad, not Riyad. Riyad. Yeah. Uh, that the Riyad is... Uh, the earthquake is not a natural event. So they, they got confirmation of it. Uh, I heard it. So it's it's real. Um, you. What? Told, told you. you. No, Although I Eric, saved you. I'm just, I'm just making fun of you. Although, 
friend and nearly didn't answer it. <laughs> yeah, until, until you were like, you answered this before. And so maybe we, See, I think that's what we'll have to start doing. Just be like, Brandon, you answered this before. <laughs> Here's the thing. The other reason why Brandon was willing to actually answer it was because we said, you said this. Is this correct? Uh, and, so and we'll said, have to guess next time for other things. Anyway, so the, so the Rayode... So there was a, a giant earthquake, and that was unnatural. But then the ra- the Rayode, as in the fall of Elantris, that was a natural effect of uh, an unnatural occurrence. Of unnatural earthquake. It's not caused by odium. So if you say that on the forum, I'm banning you. Just kidding. It may have been indirectly caused by no. odium. So, but what? it wasn't him like showing up and like breaking the ground. Right. So let's, that did not happen. I want to talk about. The uh, chasm. Why? Why the chasm appeared? So I've been talking with Wendy, as as I do. Uh, and Wendy is in Windrunner seventeen on the forums. Right. So uh, is he really seventeen? Yeah, I think it's just in the IRC that he's Wind Windrunner seventeen. Yeah, well, maybe cause... he's okay. Well, he is seventeen, so that's there. Is uh, so okay. So so you you ready for this? So. Mm-hmm. I have one theory, and Windrunner has a crazy theory. So, okay. You want to hear the crazy theory or the normal one? Let's go crazy. Okay. Uh, Wendy thinks that because the door is like this spiritual pressure, that apparently that's reflected in the land somehow. I'm probably Wendy. I'm sorry. I'm probably not getting this theory down very well, but who well, cares? Wendy can defend his theory when you guys do Sharkquisition. No, chart keepers. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gonna lynch you. <laughs> so the uh, so I think that okay. So you have all these aeons. They're shoving energy through the door. Through which and which? By the way, I'm gonna break off here in a se- for a second and say this. Okay. How do you guys think that the door actually comes through? Is it just a you want it to happen, so thus it happens? Or do you think that there's something more? Like, because just, like, why does the door push through? Why doesn't, you know, waving your hand in a vaguely aeonic shape cause the door to bleed through for an Elantrian? Why is it, you know, what prompts it to create the rift that the door can bleed through? Uh, it's the focus. Well, no, no, no. Uh, so, me, you're saying... Once you've drawn the Aeon, why doesn't it just automatically go through? Why does the door bleed through? Why does drawing that symbol in the air, what allows the door to bleed through? Before you activate the Aeon? Like, okay. Or what activates the Aeon from doing what it does? No, more of a, why, when you put your finger in the air Hmm? and drag your finger across, does that allow the door to bleed through. Is it you have to think that yes. you're creating... So you have okay. to will it to be. So, like, okay. uh, well, I mean, we don't know, but, I mean, obviously, most magics require a cognitive will to do something. So you Just use... like the burning of the metals. Right. I, although, like, metal burning can happen unintentionally, but vast majority of the time, you have to will it to do what you want it to do. So you're willing, drawing the Aeon, and once you've completed the Aeon... Then you now will the door to go through, and then there's that cognitive thing that then triggers it. It's like, okay, I'm done now. And whoosh. Yes. That makes sense. Right. 
Okay. Well, addicts, really helpful. Uh, so, okay, that chasm. I do want to, this is, this is cool. So, I think, so, the ands are based on the land. Spoiler. Uh, and so, maybe the door is, like, affecting the land because it's always being shoved through these focuses that are based off of the land. So, like, there's all the spiritual energy coming through the land, like, all the time. And then there's Elantris, and that's been there for who knows how long, a long time. And so over time, with a bunch of Elantrians doing a bunch of crap, like, there's all this energy, and it just builds up in the land, and it kind of breaks it a little bit. And then it just all happens at once with the chasm. That could make sense. I'm intrigued to find out what the true... Yeah, the the problem with this is if you don't know what the door is, like any if anybody tells you that they know what the door is, they're lying. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, we have no idea what the door is and how yes. and how it's related to the two shards. We, there's no theory that makes that make sense ever. Yep. Apparently, Brandon knows what's going on, but even then, I think that's kind of iffy. Oh, I'm sure Brandon. He's just faking it as he goes. Well, oh, here here's a it did. So, fun fact, like, at the uh, Idaho Falls signing, someone said, Brandon said that magic on cell was different before Devotion and Dominion were splintered. Hmm. Magic was actually changed. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so clearly something happened with, like, the door, and, like, each region has, like, some different door-based magic, and so it could be that splintering that did that. Uh, I mean, really hard to tell. I mean, that could be why Aeon Door and Forging seem similar in nature, but different right. in execution. Yeah. That could make a lot of sense. And so that, they're actually a separation of one magic system well, because the shard broke. Well... Or at least two derivatives of the same magic. To complicate that matter is that all of these things come off of one central source, which is the door, which does not distinguish between the two shots. But the different method that you access the door is in line, maybe, with the different shot intents. Maybe. Well, here's one thing. Not all magic systems are region-based. And the reason why I say this, I know that a lot of people have been saying, you know, you can only do this magic in this area and this magic in this area. But if that were the case, then what's his bucket at the end doing the karate forms should not have created, made him glow slightly. He is accessing the door at the end there by doing his forms. But there, it's not the land, it's the person. DNA from the place that you were in or... There's a lot of factors involved. I mean, not everybody can use the Cheshan, so, like, it, it could be region-locked in that Jindoese people have been in Jindo for a while. And... Oh, it could be the blood. You know, just like you have to have Aralon blood in order to become an Elantrian, you have to have Jindonese blood in you in order to be able to use... Yeah, so, it, I mean... Jindonese. Jindonese. I love my Jindonese. They're the best. I love uh, Jindonese food. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of factors, and basically what confuses me is that the door is one entity, but there's two shards that are broken, and... Both fuel off of it. Well, yeah, but then what's, like, that's, it's still, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, I'm sure we'll get more explanation in two and three. Yeah, Um, well, we'll talk about this in another podcast, so, yeah, we're way off track. Well, I was going to actually say... 
Yes. To get back on track, Josh mentioned, you know, Brandon winging it. And Eric, you actually found an error in this chapter. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I think Galdon says that uh, Aurelon, or Galdon or Raiden, I don't remember who, says, I'm surprised Aguiorn went this far east. And it's like, wait a minute, isn't Aurelon west of Fjordel? And so I was really confused and excited to know that the map was, like, reversed. That's not true, because in Chapter 9, uh, Raven's like, have you ever been to the nations in the east? And so it's not true, which is sad. But I'm pretty sure the error is in every version of Elantris ever. Unless, of course, he's just saying the Gjorn has come very far east. Like he circled oh, the no. world. That's ridiculous. Opalon does not make a ring around the entire planet of Cell. Do we know that? Well, no, but, like, that's pretty ridiculous continent structure. Oh, I completely agree. I'm just There's throwing two... out an answer. I like my ring-shaped continents. That's what Odium did. He's like, you know what? I want this continent to look like a ring, and I'm going to destroy the two shards there. To do... Odium loved no, no, it, no. so he put a ring on it? No, that's it. <laughs> Odium hates everything, so he wouldn't have put a ring on it. That's true. No, no Ocean loved it, so she put a ring on it. Maybe maybe it's like a chastity belt on <laughs> Okay, we're going to move on now. So, annotations. Did you guys find out anything interesting from them? No. No. <laughs> you guys are so useless. We totally found out fascinating things. Did we? Yes. Like what? I have my interesting thought for the day. Like, oh, the fact about the spears, the the... Oh, that, right. Okay, the big bulky spears, that was kind of cool. Right. But they were never used. That's true. Uh, That's kind of a bummer. Like, if you read the annotations, Brandon's talking about uh, this one scene where uh, early, early uh, idea for the book where, like, there's some proto Elantrian and then he gets stabbed by the spear and he's impaled, but now he can't move and then he's just can't move forever. So to explain that in a more cohesive format, this idea that was behind well explained. Yeah, okay, let me explain it and you guys will see what I mean. So the idea behind the spears was originally the Elantrians were basically zombies. They didn't I don't think that they fell victim to the pain. So the spears were designed to be big and bulky so that once an Elantrian was impelled, they couldn't really move very far to prevent them from being able to escape. See? Okay. Well, you didn't say what the scene was. Like, I said what the scene was, you explained Fair. what the spear was. Which, okay, the scene also, it, it features basically a Galadon-like character, because originally, apparently, Galadon, when the idea first got started, was the main character. But... What? That okay. was not the case. Oh, no. I'm, 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 okay. You're making stuff up now. You're done. I'm combining my... You're, my okay. you're done. galley. Okay, the thought idea that I had was this in the scene, an Elantrian is told that he is the oldest existing Elantrian that oh, had gone yeah. mad. Right. What my thought was, was does this mean that with Galadon being the way he is, is he, is this kind of like a secret little in Brandon's mind, Galadon is the oldest Elantrian that hasn't fallen victim to the Hoed? No. 
I don't think so. It was just, it was just a random thought I had. Here's a random thought, no. <laughs> hey. Shut you down hard. Sometimes theories get proven, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I, though I do wish that we had seen originally, another aspect of that scene was there was a guy who was trying to escape... Yeah. And I kind of wish we could have still seen him trying to escape. Yeah, but I mean, we... Well, there will be escapes later in the book. That's true. The escape kind of shows up but later. I mean, it's, it's not as fun. But but the city guard are more inept in this version. In yeah. fact, they're completely inept. <laughs> it's so They're true. completely useless. They are. Yep. So, do we have any thoughts before we move on? I think we no. should hop on the segue and segue on to chapter 8. How do you think? I think that that works. And a quick reminder for everybody. This longest, stupidest... Okay, I love Sydney, But, okay, in this chapter, she starts out in court, painting. Then she goes home with her family. Then she goes and trolls uh, her raven. And it's seriously, you're reading through and you're going, will you shut up? In court, Lukel explains everyone and everything. Which, like, I didn't mind it, but then I'm like, that chapter, that scene was a total info dump in literally every way. Yeah. Although, you really start hating uh, Jerk Kingman. Oh, well, you did hate him, but, you know, you know what I liked about this chapter? It starts off and, like, finally, Serene does something, and it's so satisfying to see Iodon, who is a dick, uh, get so trolled in the face. Oh, it's, it's so so good. I, I Serene is like a master troll. I, yeah. Yes. So like, bad props to Serene. Yeah. No, but seriously, you two started really hating the king because of the uh, ruling that he takes on that Serene watches. <laughs> oh well, yeah. That's because Iodon's a freaking jerk face. I like. I like how. So Iodon, he uh. Yeah, so there's, like, two peasants arguing, and, like, the peasant ran away from the first... You mean two nobles arguing? You said two peasants were arguing. (laughs) Two peasants are arguing over the fate of the noble. (laughs) What does one poor person say to the other poor person? Who cares? We're rich! (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so, like, the peasant ran away from the first noble and then had kids and... That was with the second noble, and Idon rules that, yeah, the peasant goes back to the first one, but his family stays with the second noble. And I love just the offhanded way that the ruling is, like, written, where it's just like, the peasant just is so distraught. And we don't even see the dialogue, but Serene's just like... Well, he isn't really distraught. He's just kind of like, whatever. I have no say in the matter. Up until the very end, when he's just like, I hate you. I hate you all. Yeah, no, the peasant's... Like, Which I found fascinating as a contrast against the Ska in Mistborn, because the Ska really are just kind of, okay, whatever, there's no point to my life, and if something like well, this were to happen... They've been beaten down for the last thousand years. I mean, they're going to be a little bit downtrodden compared to the people who have only been walked all over for ten. That's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a difference by, like, a hundredfold. Wow, it's like you can do basic math. No, I can't. I can't. I know you can't, Mish. I, math, not my thing. That's true. (laughs) Writer's math. 
you know, maybe... I don't know, love. You might be able to grasp Jindoe's math. Ooh, we met... who doesn't know Jindoe's? I know Jindoe's math. Uh, if if you guys don't know, I'm a math grad student, so I I liked this chapter because it mentions math. Which uh, the question that Josh was asking is, oh, great math master, what type of math system do you think it is? Well, well, a couple things about that. First of all, you can't just like separate disciplines of math just willy-nilly like that and sure, can they teach me that the whole way through school oh uh, actually math builds upon each other matt uh josh when you're doing uh pre-calc you should know algebra which they don't but anyway okay, do you need geometry to do pre-cal yes you do yes you do and i was I in never... a very interesting pre-cal class i uh, never ooh, thought to give you my pre-calc problems they're amazingly like yeah, with, we've got uh, Eric on math. This was a bad idea. Oh, I, okay, so we're going to move on because you, hey, <laughs> you guys wanted to know. I'm just saying, there's no information about what Jindo's math is. I sort of think that it would be that math maybe originated at Jindo because you know the Jindo guys are smart. All the big religions started in Jindo. Shu Keseg, Shu Korath, Shu Dareth. Fair Isn't enough. Isn't Jindo like an Asian society though? I kind of got the feeling it was, like, either Korean or Japanese. So it's an Asian society. So what Brandon's saying here is that the Asians are good at math. Or invented math, which is not historically true. That Yet, doesn't matter. Josh is making racist comments. No, I'm not. So if math fact, you guys, algebra was invented by the Muslims. Okay, fascinating. You, If you feel like, if you really hate algebra... Then here's a reason to be racist, I guess. You're a whole person, Eric. I'm going to get us back onto the chapter, and I love the fact that we actually learned more about Rayodin in this chapter. Yeah, that was good. And actually, cool fact for uh, future writers out there, a trick that Brandon teaches in his writing class that you see very well done here is if you want a character to be liked and you want to have a character express what they're good at, you don't have the character say it because then they come across as being arrogant. What you instead do is you give the character friends. The friends will t- talk about what they're good at. The friends will, you know, you like, obviously, basically what the thought process behind it is, is if this person has other people that like them, you are more inclined to like them yourself it also allows you to express what type of person they are without it being obvious. If they react to, oh my gosh, Rayodin, you are so amazing at drawing these aeons. Thanks, I know I am. Then you have them come across as being an arrogant person. Or but... a 1990s California Valley girl. <laughs> but if you have them come going, you know, I, I know I'm okay, but I could do better, then you have... It's really great at character building. It's basically false humility. It works. Well, there was a. I found that there was kind of a slight issue in that. Lukel's talking about you don't know what a scolding's like until you get one from Raiden. Does Raiden scold anyone in this book ever? And no. And and secondly, no. why does Idon's laws have his son be able to say anything in court? That's stupid. 
Why yes. would you do that? Uh, if you met Iodon, he's kind of an idiot. I'm just saying, hey, maybe I should ban my son from talking at all of my judgments. Maybe that would have solved a lot of problems. Which, I mean, I think, though, if he had done that, Riordan would have just turned around and figured out another way to worm his way into court. And though I mean, I that's the- true, but, I mean, and- it just seemed like there was such an obvious hole, like, maybe you shouldn't have your son talk at court. Duh. I, I loved the fact that one of the ways that Rayodin pissed off his dad was to invite Keen to play a game in oh, the middle amazing. of the courtroom. That was amazing. See, I, I personally thought it was kind of like a chess-type game, chess or go. But, I, I mean, imagine if it was Twister. It was a gender <laughs> game. That would be amazing. <laughs> playing Twister in the middle of the friggin' court. See, and that's... see. Logically, Iodon should just be like, so and I'm banning you from court, and it is illegal, and I'm just throwing you in prison. I mean, he probably couldn't do that because Raiden's really popular, but I'm just saying he could have found something rather than, Haha, remember that time where, you know, that guy came in court, and it's like, maybe we should just ban that guy from court. Hey, that would be logical. No, but instead, Raiden plays Twister. In the I mean, it's hilarious and like really makes me like Raiden, and I like how Raiden likes Keen because we already like Keen. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, it, it's it's nice seeing it's it is really interesting seeing how everybody talked about Raiden, and well, it makes us miss him. It does. One other thing though that I found interesting that was came up around this same time and kind of relates back to like the serfdoms is. The thought process of backward progression of society. You take out basically a uh, socialist setting where everybody, you know, food is taken care of, and the only reason why you have money is to pay for the super high-end things. Dirty commies. You know, but you take out, and society backward progresses, and I thought that that was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other issue is with the Elantrians. They had a lot of really advanced technology. I mean, imagine if we went from right now into the Middle Ages. Yeah, like if if our EMP blast just destroys all of our electronics, that would be very bad. Like instantly bad. Like our, our toilets would still work, so that's nice. But uh, yeah, but the sewer systems wouldn't. I guess that's true. It wouldn't work eventually. Yeah. So I. So mean, we'd have you know a couple days of water and toilets, and then. Nothing. Nothing. That's true. Um, Yeah, and I guess a lot of people have, like, well, I live in nowhere, so people have pumps. And so, you know, if power goes out, it doesn't work there. Um, That's always fun. Um, Yeah, so definitely it would get feudal really fast, and it's like, it's really funny. Yeah, not even the Fjordel use that anymore. It's Mm -hmm. like... Those are the villains, and we're kind of worse than them. We should probably fix that, guys. Yeah. Which is what Sereni then sets out to do. I love I Sereni. I really do, because she tries so hard to be so optimistic. I mean, they start talking about Raiden at dinner, and, oh, Raiden was awesome. You would have loved her. And she's all like, I have to make the best of it. And she's it, like, it, it, yeah, it is kind of painful just to like see that part. It's like red and so great. It's like oh crap, swipe <laughs> yeah. right there. That's not good. I should have. Yeah. Well, and I love her thought process. She was just like, um, he was he, taken away from me so that I could focus on the more important things. Yeah, that's totally the logic. 
but it yeah like this is the chapter where i like where serene is doing something like last podcast i was complaining serene's not doing something now she is i'm happy but she does like too much something in this chapter because yeah, this chapter that's... eventually starts to drag yeah. it's like couldn't we have broken this up into like a couple of chapters maybe distributed it a little better no, because I mean, then does the, other... the lunch at her uncle's have to happen in this chapter? No, that's true. Um, she could have met her cousins in the court and then gone to the wall. Yeah. Could have happened. It's probably the triad structure that prevented it from doing that. Which, why, why was the lunch necessary at all? Uh, to introduce people like Duke Royal. Okay. Yeah. Talking about the lunch... Uh, you get an introducing characters. You also really get to know um, Lukel's wife. Why did they not use Lukel and his wife as spies? Who would they be spying on? Harathan. They both speak Jindonese. Jindonese. Yeah, that's not an N. There's, oh, there's not a second N, rather. Jindonese. No, but Jin, they both speak this language. She is from Fjordel. Jindonese is different language than Fjordel. Doesn't she speak the language that Hraithan and Dilof speak? Yes, she does. So what and so does that does... have to do with Luke Helen and his wife? Why don't they, why doesn't she have them be spies? Have her be from whatever claim that she ha, is part of whatever religion that Hraithan is in? Shudareth? Yeah, that one. And have her go that to one. Hey. <laughs> it's not a major plot point. Um, you, you should probably learn the names of the religions. It, I'm I'm just I'm well like I just don't understand the so you're you want Jala to be a to pretend to be Shudareth to spy on Shudareth? Basically? So yeah. trying to get at? Well, here's the thing. She's trying to understand what it is that Harathan's doing. Why doesn't she get a better understanding of what Hraithan is doing by having somebody who's from uh, Fjordel go to Shudareth religion religious meetings and, you know, report back. Hey, this is what they're doing. It's very believable. Well, well first of all, I feel like Jindo kind of has some significant autonomy within the Fjordel Empire. Like, yeah, they're Shudareth, but I mean, Jindo still is pretty culturally significant uh even if they're Durethi. like jindo like it's later explained that jindo just gave in to the fjordel just to survive and so you know there's some gandhi crap going on there where they're like, doing some resistance stuff yeah gandhi yeah, crap more, more like uh and Ender's... still practicing the mysteries and no no Ender's the Chukasig. they don't have they don't do the mysteries in jindo what? It's, uh, I thought the, it was Jindo where the no, mysteries were from. No, it is Duladel. Uh, Jesker is from. It's a fun fact that you uh, Jesker is from Duladel. Jesker is one of the oldest religions on Cell. Uh, the only one that knows about the door actually, and then the mysteries is an offshoot of that. More places to the east do that, but not Jindo. There's nothing that says that Jindo actually practices. Well, then I was wrong. Yes, you were. Uh, but, I mean, it just, Actually, like... I was going to say, it, your comment of Gandhi, I would say more like Ender's Shadow, whichever one with the chick with the in India who cr turns herself into a goddess. I haven't read that Ender's book. With the wall. 
but that's shadow puppets that one yeah i don't remember them um well okay so thinking about the spies like okay let's say jala does that first of all this gives an edge for Derefi because now a prominent noble lukel who's associated with keen is now by association Derefi, and so there's probably pressure on lukel to convert that's problem one problem two is that uh, the Derefi religion is kind of well-structured and need-to-know. So being an Odive, is the one, like, uh, servant to, like, a Derefi Arteth or something, uh, would not be useful because they just make you do things. Fair enough. And, like, so I just don't know if that would be useful. Okay. But it was a thought that I had. And, but another thought, sorry, speaking of Ender, that I kind of thought of, I found it fascinating that uh, Kais and her brother, Dorin, Doreen, whatever, are actually basically a reaction against uh, Valentine and Peter from Ender Game. Yeah, I, I never picked up on that. Annotations. Well, no, I mean picked up on it reading the book, Mish. Well, have you read Ender's Game? Yes, I have, but I mean, it just, like, didn't occur to me because they... Yeah, it didn't jump out to me either. Well, the thing is, is that they're not really important to the plot. The only one who's actually important to the plot is Aiden at the end. Well, and they're going to become important later because they're going to be, uh... Yeah, but I mean, they're not in this book. And by then, they'll actually be mature and then missing the point of that. Dude, I hope that she grows up because she's seriously... She was pissing me off so much. Uh, Like, I'm sure Brandon has interesting ideas for character conflicts for them, and it's not immediately apparent what they'll be now. Like, how whiny was Raiden as a kid? Probably pretty whiny. Well, fair enough. No, but seriously, Raiden, yeah. Yeah, Kais, seriously? Yeah. Oh, I lost an argument, so I'm going to start swearing in one language, just to show actually how awesome I... I would have slapped her, seriously? That's true. She does need a good slapping. She needs a good old Drethy slapping. Uh, I was going to say she needs a good old pirate dad slapping. Ooh, better. <laughs> you see this axe? <laughs> I think that killing your children... I'm going to crush your throat! <laughs> he is a crush throat. <laughs> Something else oh, that like I Darth know. Vader? King could be Darth Vader. Crush the throats? Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Ah, I see what happened there. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's something you can do with Aeondor. Pretend to be Darth Vader. Actually, you probably could. <laughs> Why would they want to be Darth Vader, though? They don't know that it exists. They could make fancy Elantrian breathing apparatuses. For people and it wouldn't just be Darth Vader. You'd be shiny Darth Vader because you're just so white. Well, you, they actually do slightly glow. So you'd you'd have to wear the armor, so then you could be like, so you wouldn't be glowing all the time. It's it's a spy getup. Ah. Know, something else I picked up from this chapter. I really did feel sympathize with Sereni during the chapter because they start. Oh yeah, you teasing. would. Yeah, I would. I mean, have you guys heard how much these guys tease me? I mean, no. we don't tease you. I don't know what you're talking about. It's all in your head. Oh, is it? You're making stuff up now. See, you're trying to make us out to be the bad guys. That's not even fair. I thought Josh talked about the Gorn, and we made fun of him. Oh. No, uh no, no. 
Never no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Mish. I, yeah. It's very similar playful teasing, I think. Yeah. You, you know, Lukel and his wife being lovey-dovey. I empathize with that, because happy couples are gross. Like, later, Serene's like, I am not in the mood for happy couples, and that is something I experience, like, all the time. It's like, you are happy couples, I hate you so much, and I wish you to just die. Not because I hate, like, you personally, just because I do not like you being happy. Oh, so you mean you tell me you don't want Josh and me to be happy sometimes? Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe I tease you. It, it depends on how recently his breakup was. Uh, oh, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> right now, I'm good right now, so I don't hate you anymore. But we'll, we'll see. Just give it time. Crazy girlfriends. Uh, this is definitely offensive to one person I know, as in the person I'm dating. No, she's great. Uh, <laughs> I No, I wasn't referring to her. I was referring to your uh, last one. Why did I cough? That didn't make it any better. Um... <laughs> It's good that she's not a Brandon fan, so, like, she'll never listen to this podcast. Uh, are you referring to your last girlfriend? No, my current girlfriend. Oh. Well, see, we were making fun of your previous girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. Well, okay, well. The little ball of crazy. <laughs> this is offensive to very many people, with, all of which do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> very good. Or I'm going to hear about this. <laughs> well, you know, actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to move on and ask you guys. Get stabbed. I'm shanked. <laughs> no, we didn't think she. Okay, here's the thing. I'm a little ball of crazy at times. Women, kind of crazy. But see, here's the thing, Eric. They'd have to come to your middle of nowhere place to come and shank you. They have my phone number. <laughs> they can't shank you through the phone. Shall we move on to the back uh, chapter? Terrible. What's yes? Okay. What's that. So one other thing that I noticed that I was wanting to ask you guys about: when Serene's walking up the wall, she comments that there's aeons written into the wall of Lontris. Do you think that that helped? And she also says that uh, the layout of the city and the streets and stuff were very well placed and very. It, she comments on it being very beautiful and very thought out. What do you guys think of those actually being modifiers and stuff to help increase the magnifying glass effect of a laundress? I have no idea. I, I don't know. I mean, they're the aeons that are rock that made the walls. What do you... What? No. Yes. She specifically really? mentions that one of the aeons she sees is rock. And um, that's yeah. how the wall was made. Serene yeah, well, does know a lot more about Aeons than Rhea does. No, but it, she really does. Yeah. She really does. That's no, true. but I was wondering if, you know, those Aeons carved into the wall were like, you know, this Aeon here will help to mag to make the door stronger while in Elantris, and this Aeon here. So those Aeon carved into the wall were actually small foreshadowings of the fact that Elantris is one gigantic Aeon. If that's foreshadowing, that's really stretching it. Well, it's just like Serene wouldn't make the connection that there's magnifiers at all, and... He... I have a question. Does it mention that the outside wall of Elantris is square? No. No. It... That needs needed more foreshadowing, because I... And I don't think it's actually an ex uh, it's a perfect square, isn't it? It's like... Well, you know, it's... Be... I'm sure. 
Another thing that should have been mentioned is she's looking back over Kay. It should have been mentioned how Kay has a perfectly circular wall. That's true. That would have been good foreshadowing, too. Well, and all of the cities are, in theory, probably visible from the top of Elantris. Well, there's a lot... Well, if we judge by the cover of Elantris, there are giant skyscrapers in Elantris. (laughs) Okay, so she should have been able to see one or two of them. At least one of them off to the side. You know, the other cities, never named... No, it's true. It's true. They're just the outlining cities. There have been great wiki articles, but Brandon destroyed that dream. Why are you a dream killer? Dream killer would be another amazing name for Order of Knights Radiant. No, see, those will be an Order of Voidbringer Radiance. That would also be awesome. Dream killer needs to be something. So, did you guys notice any cameos in this chapter? Oh, are we still talking about chapter eight? Yeah, the Serenity chapter. Oh my god. Um, I know, too long. Really? No, I I didn't notice any. Well, how are we defining cameos? Seeing other people from the book? Yeah. Other viewpoints? Well, then yes, Serenity sees Raiden and Galadon. <laughs> Serene sees Raiden. There you go, see? Shut up. (laughs) We don't make fun of you at all, do we? See, uh, so, me, are are you offended that we make fun of you? Like, No, I'm not. It's brotherly, sisterly teasing, and then spousal teasing that I I get to... I was going to correct you, because, you know, that'd be... You're my brother, he's my husband. Okay. Um, Okay. She gets to just put up with my teasing, whether she likes it or not. I get to and kick him as I And sleep. then I get to pay for it later. Though, yeah. to podcasters, I am not actually Misha's sister. It's a... Brother. He... God. So, shall we make things easy and just move on to the last chapter? <laughs> Please. <laughs> we just passed an hour. Thing. I am sorry, listeners. So, the last chapter will be just really quick because nothing <laughs> happens. In this chapter, Horathen finishes up with the Sermon on the Wall, Sermon on the Mount, and uh, moves on to meeting with the nobles, and pretty much just thinks about the nobles. Because we didn't have enough nobles in the last chapter. <laughs> oh, for the heavens. Let's introduce no. more nobles. No, but seriously. Anyway. Nothing happens in this chapter. Telry's important. We get to see more of Telry. That's basically the most important thing that happened. Yeah. Who's Telry? He's one of the lords. You mean Telry, the guy who will eventually be king? That guy? You mean yeah, the guy with the third mark? Yeah, Is that he? guy. Oh, okay. He happens to be important. Kings, I don't know if you know this, typically are important people. Yeah. I live in a country where there are not kings and queens. But if there was, they would be important people. And not just those random homeless guys who proclaim to be like the king of this box. Oh. Hey. I like I invaded a guy's box once. He was pissed. <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds like an interesting story from your time on the streets, Josh, where you invaded many people's boxes. I, what, what? I don't even know this. What? Like, I, I know. Yeah. I'll tell you this story later. Okay. <laughs> Your box. One thing that I found interesting is why is Jedith below? Oh, okay. So, 
because <laughs> I read along. So Jadith was the name of some random god that lived below the rocks. It, it is really interesting. It's like, oh, great, Jadith below. It's like, what? That's kind of an interesting religious aspect. But it's some other Fjordal god that Shudareth sort of uh, adopted for their own purposes. Oh, so just like Christianity stole, you know, the winter solstice and called it Christmas. Every holiday ever. Yeah. We're going to move on because I don't want to get shanked by all the Christians. Yeah, (laughs) definitely was the smoothest way you could say that. The Christians. (laughs) Dear Christians, it would not be very Christian to shank us. Please don't. (laughs) I say stuff weird. You know that. Yeah, skivvies. (laughs) Anyway, I like the fact that Diloff hints the fact that he knows how the book is going to end right in this chapter. He's like, yep, they're all going to die. And Harathan's like, they're not all going to die. And Diloff goes, nope. Diloph, no. Okay, here's a question. Diloph has been in Aralon for a long time. Why did Wern like, hey, hey, <laughs> Gradget, or however you pronounce that, Gradget of Dakor, you know what we should do? Let's not have you be Gradget anymore. Let's turn you into an Arlene 20 years, and then 20 years later. You'll be in Aralon and be a lame Arteth in the Drithing Monastery, and then, and then, we will kill all the uh, Aralish people. It's like, how does that make any sense whatsoever? How long was he in there? Because he he's supposed to go to his wife, or try and get his wife healed before uh, Alondra's fall. Uh, I think he's been in there 20 years. Dilof is actually 70. I remember that, so I think he uh, it was in Arlon for 20 years. And it's like, what have you been doing? Have you just been an Artef? Why is this... What? How is this useful in any way, shape, or form? Or is this worm just really stupid? I, I don't know, but... but... Stupid. I mean, that's true, but... but... I, I blame the Skazy. Yeah. Because the Skazy have brilliant master plans. It's like, that's something. Maybe they thought Diloph was going to overthrow their empire, and so. Well, and. Oh, maybe all. Everyone was like, Diloph, you're a dick. You need to get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to send you on this 20 year mission. <laughs> well, and that scene is actually another scene that hints at the fact that Horathan is actually a good guy. Yeah. Because his entire reaction to Diloph's like, they're going to die, is, uh, yeah, I need to kick up my efforts because I don't want their blood on my hands. Yeah. No, that's true. Like, I, like... Like, by way of sympathetic villains, Raithen is great. That's why I like Raithen. Like, he's one of my favorite, like, villains, period. Like, because he's just so empathizable. Well, and is he really a villain? I mean, he's trying to save everybody. I think he's more of an anti-hero. He's an evil missionary, but he's an anti-hero. Ah, uh, the best... Josh, all villains are the heroes of their own story, and we just get viewpoints from Raithen. Although, Diloph's story would be like... <laughs> Diloph's story would not be that good. I mean, if you read it, it'd be like, wow, he's a dick. <laughs> like, that's for sure. Um, See, this is what we need to petition Brandon for. Like, a one-chapter viewpoint from Diloph just to get inside of his head. We do get a Diloph viewpoint, Josh. Earlier in. Actually. Oh. Well, 
Like, I want to see the scene Wait, where the- Raythan shows up. You do realize that would have spoiled the mystery of Diloph. I hope. Yeah, but see, now it can be an awesome, like, deleted scene. You, what I want to know, why is Diloph in Arilon like a billion years before, like, he needs to be? I'm gonna just gonna be an Artef. Yeah, that makes I don't I'm upset. How old is Raythan, actually, thinking about it? Because if Diloph has been in Arlon for 20 years, and he was the leader of the monastery when uh, Raythan was there, well, that means- well, so the thing is, is that when you enter the Dorethi priesthood and you want to advance, you start and go to a monastery. And so I think Hraithan went to Dakor first, which, like, that'd be an awful place to go first. Uh, and then he went to a different monastery after he decided that that was too much. Okay? Yeah. So Hraithan mm-hmm. was really pretty young, I think. I think Raythan's in his 40s or early 50s. He's he's pretty old. Because, yeah. I, think, I think later it's mentioned, like, man, he's good at kicking butt for how old he is. No, that may, it, that's very true. So, random thing that Josh and I noticed that apparently we were dumb for noticing in this chapter is uh, Cyclone. Oh, oh, Mish. Yeah, okay. I didn't notice this. Josh pointed it out to me. I'm going, I have no idea what it is, and we're coming to you, and you're all like, oh. Okay, well, okay. First of all, okay, for those of you who don't know, she's trying to say Cycla, and the people who, uh, the Cyclon continent, not Cyclon, like, that's... I can't pronounce anything, so leave I, me alone. I, no, I know, but, like, people have no idea what you're talking about, especially with that. It's like, yeah, the Cyclones! I love this. Yeah, those, this is great. I love those. Um, so, yeah. Cycla is uh, the Fjordel name for... Uh, oh, but, oh, yeah. Uh, the, the weird thing for me is um, Diloph is talking as though it's the entire world that he's referring to. Yeah, that's interesting. It's very true. I mean, is it the only continent on the planet, well, like Roshar is? Not true, because there's an entire other continent with the Rose Empire on it. So I was wondering if maybe that was referring to, I don't know. I I have I a thought. It's like but... an alternate name for Cell. Yeah, but that's what you that's were That's obviously no. not the case. No, eh, it, it, the, 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 Cyclops... the way Diloph talks about it, it's the entire world. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Well, A, Brandon hadn't come up with the Rose Empire at that point. But, oh, so if you guys don't know, the Rose Empire in the Emperor's Soul is on the same continent that Teod is on. Oh, really? It's mentioned that the Teoish Peninsula is very distant from the Rose Empire, but they, like, mention it. But see, that's the other weird thing. He mentions Teod being in Cyclops. No, that's not true. Yes. Yes. Actually, yeah, he does. Maybe it's like Go the Northern Hemisphere. Well, okay, so Windy in the Aeon Glossary learned something that the Northern Continent, apparently uninhabited except for Teod, which obviously that's old information because now there is another place maybe more distant. Uh, so I think Teod might be kind of northish, and if the more north you go, there's not much there, which may explain why people don't know much about the Rose Empire, because it's pretty far. So, 
But you could, no, because oh, they know about the society because it's my my poi sticks. My poi. <laughs> uh, you know, I know you're bad at spelling, and that might be a difficulty with uh, pronouncing things. But I do find that spelling things correctly and reading the letters that are in there, like hooked on monk style, is very helpful. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna put some my poi sauce all over my rice. Yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. So, admittedly, I have no idea. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's an inconsistency, but it is because Brandon came up with it later. So it's like. Wendy had the great comment when in your first in the first podcast, like maybe forgery is how Galdon gets to Roshar, and it's like uh, he didn't because uh, Brandon hadn't come up with forgery yet when he published Wave Kings, and it's like that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. but so, so who knows? We will figure this out. I, now, it's possible that Opalon is a supercontinent. I that might be reasonable. Yeah, that's yeah. I think what it has to be. Like uh, because Apple otherwise Apple. it's a plot inconsistency. So, uh, oh, oh, I've got it. As what you might call it is like Africa, Europe, Asia. How those are all connected. S word is representing all of those being connected, and then Opalon is like Asia specifically. Yeah, but that's not true. Yeah, that's not true according to the book. Well, Opalon has to be a supercontinent. Well, because, well, Opalon, uh, there's more of a Europe-ish Arelan, this, and then there's, like, Slavic Fjordel, then, like, some Asian cultures, various other... Yeah, cultures. so it's like Euroasia. Okay. You guys have no idea what I'm talking no, about. No, no, I, I get what you're saying, but it's... Yeah, it's like a giant... Yeah, okay. Okay. So, oh, and fine. the S word represents like just one. Cycla. Yeah, Cycla. Why don't you just call it Opalon, like a normal human from Arelon? Because Cycla. Nordish was... people are not human. They're not strictly human. Okay. Inequality jokes. That's what the kitty's like. <laughs> <laughs> so one last point that I wanted to point. The, to talk about that I found interesting was the fact that uh, Brandon's rule that he created for himself was everything didn't necessarily happen have to happen at the exact same time, but it did have to happen on the same day and as close to it, each other as possible. Right, so the triads happen on the same day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we came up with this, like, in one of the last two podcasts. Like, you know, mm -hmm. they're all on the same day, and then we get to hear, it's like, oh, that was the intent. It's like, yay, we got something right. So, therefore, so. we will always be right. Yes. So, uh, one last thought that I had for you guys. Last thought. Finally. <laughs> is, uh, is all of the talk of the Elantrians coming back a hint from devotion that it could that Elantris could be restored? Well, if, mm, I don't think so. I don't think Devotion's able to be a current but, acting force. But in that could it sense. be a hint? But could it be a hint from somebody? I think that's foreshadowing, so from the author. Well, for, for one thing, culturally speaking, if you have a city of the gods and your economy is clearly crap, you would kind of want that city of the gods so you can eat. And so, like, 
maybe you'd want the City of the Gods to come back. I sure would. So, I mean, there's that. Secondly, Cosmere-wise, I think about the most influence Devotion could have would be in that pool. In her shard pool. That Uh, makes sense. And and another thing is that we don't know how long Aeona's been dead. I mean, how old is At least 2,000 years. Or at least 200 years. Yeah, but what I'm saying is how old is Elantris, the city? Mm, No, that's true. So, I mean, if Aeona died before even, like, helping create Elantris, then how are they... Well, actually, if the magic changed, then Aeona literally did not help with the construction of Elantris at all, because the magic would have been fundamentally different after Odium's visit. That's true. Especially if the... Rock Aeon was used to construct the walls. I mean, well, any Aeon, like the Aeons are an intrinsic structure to Elantris. So if Aeona didn't even know that Elantris existed, I mean, she could have foreseen it, but that would take a lot of foresight. And it's like, hey, why am I not around for that part? (laughs) Maybe I need to worry about that other thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, the Almighty doesn't. The Almighty's like, I'm going to die, so I'm going to create these little... uh... But he's kind of an emo. (laughs) (laughs) But he's an honorable emo, and that's all that matters. Sure, I must have. (laughs) What no emo sounds like whatsoever. So do we have any wrapping thoughts? I hated Chapter 8 with a fiery, burning passion. I thought it was... That is my rap thought. I think... Well, see, I liked it because the plot happened, and so I read the rest of the book. But it is 1.30 in the morning, and I'm really tired. And yep. we're all tired. Clearly, as you as you can all hear, we are tired. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go. Okay. Um, if you want to get in touch with us on the 17th Shard Forums, I'm Rubix. I am First Rainbow Rose. And I'm Chaos. You can find us on Twitter at, at Shardcast and at 17th Shard. And if you have any questions, you can send us an email to shardcast at 17thshard.com. If you want to find us on Facebook, we've got the 17th Shard Facebook page, awesome. which I will be fixing soon. Yeah, apparently it's broken. All right. So thank you all for listening, and see you next week. Call. Bye.